everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for joining me today. It is Friday, 3rd of July. You guys, one more day to Independence Day. Although it doesn't feel like it right now, does it? This is episode number 950. Welcome to the Heidi St. John podcast. Today is Meet My Friend Friday, and I always like to have people who are thought leaders in the Christian community and people who have demonstrated an ability to see uh, things through lens of discernment in light of the gospel. And today is no exception. My friend, Pastor Phil Hopper, is back on the show with me today, but he's actually here in the studio. So he braved uh, getting on an airplane with his wife, Krista, and they're here at the Firmly Planted Home. School Resource Center in Vancouver. And we're going to kibitz today a little bit about Romans 13 in light of what's happening around us and what should the response of the church be. This is going to be a great conversation. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So lots going on today. First of all, I have kind of a sad announcement to make. Uh, I received a phone call yesterday morning and the rest looks like the rest of my speaking season has been canceled. Uh, Teach Them Diligently has canceled the rest of their events. We got one more hanging on. Uh, and I will keep you guys posted. The Florida Parent Educators Association, which has had a fantastic event for many, many years. You guys need to pray for them. They're hanging on by a thread right now. And uh, I'm still planning on flying to Orlando for that event. And in the meantime, I guess uh, I would just ask you guys to continue to keep these Christian conferences in your prayers. Uh, this is a very, I'm not going to uh, sugarcoat it for you guys. Listen to me. You know how I feel about this. And it's a very sad a time for people who speak for a living, for for vendors whose incomes depend on these conferences. And I'm pretty sure a chap was just canceled too a couple of days ago. I was going to be speaking there in Pennsylvania. That has now been canceled as well. And so I'm going to ask you guys to kind of keep uh, praying for these uh, individuals, especially the people who are trying to bring these events to you. I know they're very discouraged right now and uh, we need to pray for each other. We were called to pray for each other. My event, uh, Faith That Speaks, is still on for Indiana. And we'll be just outside of Indianapolis. Registration for that is going to open on Monday. And so I know a lot of you have been talking about coming to see me there. We are planning to be there. And that is happening just outside of Indianapolis on September 11th and 12th. So be praying about that. Faith That Speaks Oregon will be happening on the 25th and the 26th of September. So those two events are still on the calendar. And I will keep you posted if anything changes. All right. I'm pretty excited today uh, because I, you guys know this, right? So I love Abundant Life Church in Lee Summit, and I kind of wish I lived there. Actually, right now, I really, some people actually live in Washington, so stop complaining, all right? So we have been talking for a long time here at the podcast about the need to put our faith into action. What does it look like to live a, a godly life when you are surrounded really by uh, persecution in many cases and unrest, which is certainly what we're facing in the church right now and around the country? And uh, I've been watching what's been happening at Abundant Life Church church. And you guys have heard Pastor Phil here on the show with me before. He's the author of two books, uh, The Defeating the Enemy and Weapons of Our Warfare, of which I was really, really pleased to be able to write the foreword for. Phil and his wife, Krista, live in Lee Summit, Missouri. They have three grown children, and these guys are warriors for the Lord. And I'm so happy to have him here in the studio with me. Phil, welcome to the show. Always exciting and honored to be with you, Heidi. So thankful for your voice in America today. Real exciting to be here. Uh, at the Firmly Planted Studios for the first time, first time in the Pacific Northwest. So yeah. It's just awesome. Thank you for you the invitation. You got the rain. Yeah. The rain and the Rona. Well, it's 92 degrees back home. <laughs> the sun is out, but it's also 92 degrees humidity. So 
You know, you just choose your cross in life, I guess. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, we're here and we don't, we rarely get humidity here ever. Mm-hmm. Like even when it's hot, we just don't have humidity. So when we do get it, it gets, it literally makes the news oh, and people cry and whine and complain. Mm. And I'm like, you all don't know what you're talking about. You need to go to Kansas City. If you yeah. really want to understand humidity, get out of the car yeah. and your glasses fog up and you can't see. And right. that's kind of the deal, right? We got it. So Somebody now wants you're it, here. doesn't have it. We, we got some to share. So you're pretty, we're going to be uh, cruising around. You are on the board, you uh, and mm-hmm. uh, Steve Lambert and Jane of Firmly Planted Family, which mm-hmm. is the nonprofit that oversees the ministry here. And you've never been to the Pacific Northwest. Correct. So we're having a little board meeting yeah. in the San Juans. Nice. Yeah. I've always heard about them, <laughs> never seen them. It's going to be good. Can't wait. It's going to be really good. I want to jump into uh, talking about some things that are happening in the culture today. Mm-hmm. You and I have had conversations about this, uh, you know, back and forth, just not on the air. And one of the questions we get frequently here at the show is how do Christians respond to what's happening uh, in light of Romans 13 and how, you know, how do pastors respond? This is something we're going to take the show and do uh, two days of it because I have so many questions I want to ask mm-hmm. you. And I so appreciate your voice in the culture right now mm-hmm. because you are a full-time pastor. You're the senior pastor of Abundant Life Church, mm-hmm. uh, just on fire, awesome community of believers just outside of Kansas City, Missouri. And I know that you guys have faced this directly. So yeah. I like to start there. Uh, your church actually uh, sued, right, for yes. the right to open. So can you talk mm-hmm. to us about that? Because my plea for pastors for about the last two months is open your churches, mm-hmm. open your churches. And I'd love to just hear what's happening there yeah. in uh, in Lee Summit. Yeah. Well, I, I can have a lot of grace and compassion for pastors all over the country because we're all leading through something we have never been through before. Mm. There's so many factors to consider from what is best for your body of believers, you shepherd, to how do you maintain a really godly reputation in your city? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how do you navigate the the legislation and the laws that are flying that we've never seen before from mandating mass in public and uh, limiting occupancy, all these kinds of things. So I said from the very beginning, as a church body, as Christians, we have a biblical mandate to follow and obey our governing authorities. It's very, very clear in Romans chapter 13, one of the three institutions of God for the good order of society is human government. God teaches that uh, clearly. You have marriage and family as the first institution. You have the church as the second institution. And then the third institution, God has given society for its peace and prosperity is human government. So Romans 13 really outlines that in the New Testament. Uh, Peter said in 1 Peter 2.13 to obey every ordinance of man uh, for the Lord's sake. In other words, for the sake of God's reputation that we carry, for his name, for his fame, we are as Christians mandated to obey our human authorities, our civil authorities when we can. So I told our church at the time, biblically, um, we are going to close the doors of the church building. The church itself never closes. That's right. Uh, because it's not a building. So the church hadn't closed. The ministry goes forward. The ministry goes on. In this age of technology, we can meet online. We can meet at home. And church at home has been a big win for our church. Um, and so uh, we did everything we could to work with our government locally, not against our government locally. All right. But when they began to reopen... Um, the city and the community as it related to businesses, we were waiting again to reopen with them, not against them. 
And when they finally came out with the guidelines, they were allowing restaurants and bars to reopen with limited occupancy, but they were not allowing churches to reopen at all. And so I was shocked. We were all stunned by that. I mean, this is just uh, uh, common sense. Anybody with even a, a basic fundamental understanding of the way our society is governed from its very inception and clearly see this is whether they meant to or not, whether it's malicious or not, mm-hmm. intentional or not, it's clearly discriminatory that the activity in a building does not make it any less safe. So if it is safe enough for friends to gather at a bar and go drinking together, it is safe enough for friends to gather at a church building and go worshiping together. And so that is when we decided um, for the sake of the church in our county, not just our church, And some could argue the best thing for our church would have been to do nothing. We were doing just fine already. But for the sake of the church at large, we we were going to file a lawsuit, and we did. And uh, the lawsuit was uh, filed because uh, it is simply discriminatory to allow a restaurant or a bar to reopen with limited occupancy and not allow churches to reopen at all. And so uh, I don't regret it. It was the right decision, though one of the hardest decisions we've ever made it as a church and as a pastoral and leadership team in 20 years, because we knew what would happen when we did. And uh, the bullets immediately started flying. And uh, the animosity, the hatred uh, from those in our community, obviously, that disagreed. I knew it would be very controversial, even within the church. It was controversial, though the church community at large was very supportive. I heard from so many pastors around our county that I didn't even know were there, smaller churches. Well, a lot of people don't realize it is while our church has the resources to have a really, really, really strong online presence, there are dozens of smaller churches that don't have an online presence that are really, really suffering when they can't meet. And it is simply unconstitutional. And so, uh, Heidi, people will say, well, how does that correspond to these passages like Romans 13 or 1 Peter 2.13, where we're told to obey our governing authorities. Uh, Well, again, you go to Scripture, and I think there are principles in Scripture that apply to everything in life. Now, you can't take every context that Paul and the apostles navigated 2,000 years ago and apply it perfectly 2,000 years later to the context of our culture. We're living at times they could not have fathomed or imagined. It's just a different age we live completely. But while Peter said in 1 Peter 2.13 to obey every ordinance of man, it was that very same Apostle Peter in Acts 5.29 that said, we ought to obey God rather than men. So people would say, well, those are competing concepts, aren't they? No, they're not competing, they're completing. When you see those places in Scripture that appear to compete with each other or they're contrary to each other, They're not competing against each other. They are completing each other. Peter is completing these thoughts. And what he's teaching us is that when we can obey every ordinance of man, we should. But when the ordinance of man begins to go against the ordinance of God, the command of God, then God wins. God is our ultimate governing authority. And so I told our church as we announced the lawsuit that there is a time for civil disobedience. This is not the time. We have legal channels to take. We don't have to meet illegally, uh, and we have been given illegal channels to take. We have a legal document called the U.S. Constitution 
We have a state document. Which is the law of the land. It I think is people the law need to understand land. that the Constitution is the law of the it land. It still is. Yep. And I explain in the same way the Apostle Paul, what made him unique among the apostles is he was a Roman citizen. And he had rights as a Roman citizen the other apostles did not have. So at one point, he appealed to one of his rights as a Roman citizen when he appealed to Caesar. And I said, church, as Christians, we're Christians first, Americans second, but we are American citizens. We are kingdom citizens, first and foremost, citizens of heaven, but we are American citizens. What that means is, like Paul appealed to his rights as a Roman, there comes a time to appeal to your rights as an American. And we're going to appeal to our rights under the First Amendment to begin gathering free from government discrimination. Now, we weren't asking to gather free from any restraints, any guidelines. We were simply asking to be treated equally with other businesses, restaurants, bars, etc. So uh, we reopened using the same guidelines, which was a very limited occupancy. But it did allow us to begin to uh, reenter and meet on site again for those that were ready. A lot of people weren't. I told our church, go at your own pace. You're not ready to come back. Don't come back yet. Keep worshiping online. And people are going to come back and uh, start worshiping on site gradually at their own level, I I think, of of caution. But for those that want to come back, uh, they ought to be free to come back and worship and assemble as we have been guaranteed under the First Amendment. So we did that, uh, I think, the second Sunday of May was our first Sunday back on site after two months of meeting. It's interesting to me to note the conversations that are happening in the church right now because uh, many of the churches, and I've talked about this here at the podcast, uh, here in our area, most of them are not open. Mm -hmm. And it's not that they can't open is that they don't want to open it. There's, they feel there's too many restrictions. It's too hard. Um, it's easier really to just be online right now. And, uh, I've heard from pastors who are telling me that they're, uh, uh, their insurance. They're worried about insurance waivers. They're worried about, you know, what happens if we open and someone says I got COVID-19 at the church. I think it's interesting. I did a, a quick, uh, internet search. And if you just type in church and COVID-19, you'll see that there are headlines all over the country in every, and almost every newspaper uh, talking about how uh, the Rona spreads more quickly in churches. So if you sing in the church, then you're going to spread the Rona. If you, uh, I mean, clearly I just, I feel like, and I'd love to hear your take on this, but I feel like clearly the church has been targeted. Uh, it's become the source really of contempt. We're seeing contempt from government officials. We're seeing contempt from people who don't believe in the message or the mission of the church to try to shame the church into not opening. And sadly, I think it's effective. It's being effective. And I have argued that while I'm grateful for our ability to uh, gather online, and you're right, the church is definitely not a building, but I do not believe that an online community will be nearly as effective as coming together where we're called to come together to stir each other up to love and good works. We do that by meeting in person. And this fear that has shrouded our our nation, particularly our churches right now, uh, to me, I see I see fear. And I'm looking uh, just yesterday, there's an, an article out of Springfield, it says, uh, is it Taney County? Confirms 11 new COVID cases, including an unmasked church. And I thought, why? 
Why do they have to say we have 11 new cases? Oh, and by the way, there was a, there was a church who doesn't wear a mask. You see what I'm saying? And so all of these pastors who are telling me, well, uh, we're, we're doing this for the safety of our, of our people and for, um, unity in our church, I guess I would challenge, I'd love to hear your perspective as a pastor, because I challenge that by saying, listen, the suicide rate is skyrocketing. Uh, Jesus did not avoid the lepers. He hung out with people who were sick. He laid hands on the sick. He healed them. We have the power in Jesus name to bring healing and hope. And the a large part of how we do that is by gathering in person saying, I'm going to love on you and pray for you. If someone wants to come to your church and be prayed for and be prayed over, uh, isn't this a time that we should be opening our doors and demonstrating that we trust in the Lord of Heaven's armies? He is the one that we trust in. So, what do you what do you say to that? Well, there is a spirit of fear over our nation, really over the world. When you look at Second uh, Timothy one seven, God has not given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. That word spirit is not allegorical. It implies uh, a demonic spirit. There's a spirit of fear. And uh, while COVID-19 is, it, it is a, a deadly disease, the data does not support the level of panic, in my opinion, that we are seeing. And uh, I think courageous leadership is needed now more than ever. Fearless leadership, uh, willing to do difficult things and make hard decisions. And our churches need to see that we are fighting for them. Uh, the members of our church need to see that we are fighting for them, that we're not going to hunker down, put the electric blanket over our head and just wait for Jesus to come back. And so uh, I, I have a lot of grace, Heidi, as a pastor for pastors. I love my brother pastors. I have a lot of grace for each of them. I know what they're going through. The most difficult times of church leadership in generations is upon us. Uh, we're navigating waters we've never been through. I know that it differs from place to place. Uh, context is not the same in my community as it may be in another community a thousand miles away. And so I'm not passing judgment on pastors at all, but I, I, I would say that uh, it, it is time and we are desperate for courageous men in the pulpits, courageous men that are going to lead uh, from, from off the platform and um, that if the church will not stand up for itself, who's going to? That's right. Who's going to come to our rescue? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nobody's going to, going to come to our rescue. If we will not stand for the First Amendment, if we will not stand for religious liberty, who's going to? Somebody has to. And I understand what's at stake. I never wanted to be the church in town that sued Jackson County. I want to be the church in town. Listen, our mission statement is to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. We have broke our back for 20 years to serve our city. Uh, we, we have sacrificed, sweated, uh, served our city. Uh, uh, we give away um, a million pounds of groceries a year through our food pantry. We just sent over 1,000 people last Saturday into our community, uh, serving our city with 60 different serving projects, 30 different not-for-profits. Uh, we, have, we have done... Everything we know to do in 20 years to prove the love of God and put it on display in a tangible way. that The reputation I wanted for Abundant Life, oh, that's the church for that amazing food pantry. Look at how they love people. I understand no pastor wants to be known as the church that sued their city or sued their county. Uh, but in the end, we are setting precedents moving forward that will last generations. This is not going to be the last virus. 
This and it's probably, not the first. <laughs> Surprise! The first. And it probably will not be the last stay-at-home order. So we felt like yeah. we needed to make a statement up front early on. Because a lot of people don't know with case law, the longer you wait, the less case you have. That's right. You wait six months later. Well, why didn't you say something if it was so important? Why didn't you say this when this started? Mm-hmm. So we decided. It's they don't worth, understand they're losing ground. They're losing Every ground. Every day that passes. Yeah. That ground is being taken from us. Yes. Yeah. Now we need to do it. And I told our church, we need to do this in a way that says living proof of a loving God to watching world. We're not asking to go back to everything like it's normal. It's not normal. Our, our community needs to see us trying to take measures and safeguards to keep everybody safe. Uh, our community needs to see that we're taking seriously the CDC guidelines. We're doing social distancing. Although interesting, the CDC and the WHO don't necessarily agree with each other. I mean, this is part well, of the don't. problem, right? We're getting conflicting That's messages. Part of the problem. So then who who do you who do you listen to? Who do you listen to? And what you were saying a few minutes ago about the spirit of fear, you know, I keep saying here on the podcast, look at we know that that fear is not from the Lord. God did not give us a spirit of fear. Where is all this confusion coming from? God is not the author of confusion. Correct. And yet what do we see coming out of the CDC and and uh, even conflicting messages from the White House and the coronavirus task force? I know Mike Pence came out uh today and he yeah. said uh Never mind, we want you to wear face masks. Well, this is a new development. Yeah. They didn't, that wasn't the case before. And now that we're, you know, we're way beyond, we're way into this thing, right? And so all of a sudden the lockdowns are getting worse. The 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 mandates are broadening, strengthening really across the country. And so that's part of the problem. I think we're looking at all of this confusion, which we know isn't from the Lord. And we're saying as Christians, we need more than ever discernment. We need to be a voice of reason and a voice of, of, of um, wisdom in the culture. The Bible says wisdom comes from God. It's not going to come from men. So how do you respond to uh, all of the competing ideas of the competing voices? You know, anyone who listens to me or follows me online knows I don't believe that masks work. Uh, I think if they did work, you know, we'd have the CDC would be like, here's your mask. It has to be, has to look just like this has to fit on. They don't care what you wear uh, in the grocery store. So long as you have something on your face, which tells me not about safety, it's about compliance. That's very disturbing to me. It's very, very troubling. And so when a Christian says, uh, says, well, you're not being a very good witness if you don't want to wear a mask. There's lots of reasons why God-fearing people are saying, no, this is a freedom issue. And we have freedom. It's been given to us by God. It doesn't come from the government. does not give you freedom. Uh, the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom too. And so all of these competing ideas. So I want to get your thoughts on the issue of uh, you know, should Christians or do good Christians wear a mask? Does it make you a bad Christian if you say, no, I'm, I don't want to do this? You know, you guys just flew here. You handled it better than I did. I flew from uh, Portland to Washington, D.C. So for six hours, I had a mask on my face. Actually, not entirely. That's not entirely true. Lord, forgive me. I had it around my, my chin most of the time. But it bothered me and I felt uh, it's like an oppression, like a spirit that's attached to it. The fear. I mean, could you feel it on the plane when you came here? Like it's like a quietness, like a it's very weird. I fly all the time. The airlines are on their yeah. are on their head right now. Yeah. It's very, very weird. So I would I love to get your thoughts on that. And then I'm going to ask you about Hebrews 10, 25. Sure. OK, yeah. Just back to the confusion, the chaos. Look, the WHO says three feet. Yeah, yeah. The CDC says six feet. Which is a military standard, yeah. by the way. Interesting. The WHO says uh, masks aren't that effective. The CDC says, oh, you got to wear them. Uh, the WHO says 
asymptomatic spread of COVID-19 is very, very rare. The CDC says, oh, asymptomatic carriers are spreading. You don't know you have it till it's too late. So who do you believe? Well, it tells me that uh, this whole thing has been politicized. It's been weaponized. There, there is a... There is, there is a motive behind what we're hearing. We don't fully know yet. We don't fully understand. But as I wrote in my book, Weapons of Our Warfare and Defeating the Enemy, there's always more going on than meets the eye. There are spiritual powers pulling the strings behind the scenes. That's what we have to remember. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The real issue is not COVID-19. The real issue is not even our governing leaders who themselves seems to be the blind leading the blind sometimes. The real issue is there are two kingdoms colliding. Yes. There is light and Come darkness on. in opposition one to another. That's right. And allegiances in the days ahead will be defined. The lines are being drawn. Mm-hmm. The age of cultural Christianity is over yes. in America. Yeah. We are not mainstream. We don't have home field advantage anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Jesus taught the parable of the wheat and the tares. And I think uh, theologically speaking, the context is the kingdom age at the end of the millennial kingdom. Mm-hmm. But the wheat and the tares uh, very much applies in a devotional sense today. In other words, you're going to have to determine, are you really a Christian and are you going to stand with Jesus or will you cave into the world? Mm-hmm. It used to be easy to say I'm a Christian and have one foot in the world. Yep. Those days are behind us. Allegiances are going to be defined in the days ahead. So and when it comes to the mask issue, uh, I do think it's a freedom issue, Heidi. Mm-hmm. It is a freedom issue. And I would look at it biblically even within the body of Christ as a liberty issue. Mm-hmm. You know, the big debate in Corinth was should believers eat meat sacrificed to idols? And and Paul was very clear. You're not wrong if you do. You're not wrong if you don't. Mm-hmm. It's a conscience issue before God. That's right. So your conscience before God has to be your guide. If you feel that you can't be a good godly witness without a mask on, then wear a mask. Mm -hmm. But don't judge those who don't. That's right. Uh, My own dad is 80 years old. He's in the high-risk category. When he leaves the house, he wears a mask. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't fault him for that. I might feel differently about it if I were 80. Mm -hmm. Personally, I've worn a mask exactly twice since this whole thing began. (laughs) Once on the plane coming to see me. Once was on the plane coming to see you, and uh, I had to. Yep. And so in my, oh, well, this is worth the cost. Yeah. Once was at the Apple store because I really needed something really, 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 <laughs> really bad. Really go, yeah. So I, so, uh, I, I think it's a liberty issue, both constitutionally, it's a freedom issue, but biblically, uh, where, you know, one's conscience before God should be your guy. I personally don't think I'm being a bad Christian witness if I don't wear a mask in public, my conscience is clean before God. But if another believer's is, then they should wear a mask. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I think in the body of Christ, look, the world is divided already. So as as the, the body of Christ, um, let's try not to divide over things we absolutely don't have to. But, um, you know, Heidi, you're living in a different part of the country than a lot of us are living. Lucky me. Politically speaking, it's a different climate here altogether. Yeah. 
you know, we were talking about this last night. It is definitely what starts on the East Coast oh, and the yeah. West Coast well, absolutely seeps into the heartland. Yeah. And we're seeing that. You're seeing it now. It, it's coming. It's yeah. everywhere. So yeah. Kansas City, Missouri, and of course, Lee Summit and Blue Springs, where we have both of our, our campuses at Abundant Life are suburbs of Kansas City, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And the suburbs usually follow yeah. the Kansas City proper. And yeah. so uh, effective today if you're in public in Kansas City, Missouri, you have to wear a mask. It's the yeah. first time. Yeah. And yeah. and that's that's coming probably and then to we an area near everybody. We're up to where we choose again. And and here they mandated it uh last week. I mean they've taken, you know, things that we normally enjoy, like going to the grocery store and they've made it just a tyranny to go. Like I don't even like to go anymore. I don't like to go to the grocery store. I don't you know, I don't uh I don't feel good about wearing a mask. I don't think it's good for me. I don't think it's good for my kids for uh, lots of reasons, right? But then you go and if you don't do it, you feel like people are looking at you. Definitely there's there's a spirit attached to this yeah. whole thing. And it it really is uh I think time for us to be discerning and to say, Lord, open our eyes to what's actually happening. You know, for somebody like me watching our freedoms, I travel around this great nation and have for many, many years. I love this country. Uh, I love that we are founded on freedom. We came here so that we could worship the Lord. We came here for freedom and we're watching our freedom being taken from us. And that should concern every American that's listening to this. And we've had um, over, over the years on the show, we've had constitutional attorneys trying to explain to audiences, listen, you've got to understand the founding of this country and what we're, you got to understand the constitution. And so many of our young people don't understand it anymore. And our Christians don't understand it. And frankly, we don't even understand the role of the church. Correct. And I do think that the lines are being drawn. You know, your wife and I, Krista and I were talking about this on the way to the studio today was just the fact that we are, we're no longer, you're absolutely right. We're no longer going to be able to hang out in the middle. You're going to have to choose. And that's a tough place to be. Uh, and so I, I want to end today's, there's a couple, two more questions I want to ask you and we'll do it for the Monday's podcast, but I wanted to just end by talking about Hebrews 10, 25. So I spoke to, to pastors in a very, very strong voice a couple of weeks ago. And I said, listen, you know, the Bible instructs us clearly uh, not to stop meeting together, right? As some are in the habit of doing, but he says, we should encourage each other all the more as we see the day approaching. I do not know a Christian alive, at least not one who's walking with the Lord, who doesn't think that we're, uh, that who, who believes that we're not living in the end times. Correct. Almost every believer that I talk to says, yes, these are, these are the last days. We are yeah. definitely in the last days. It's yeah. something I want to talk to you about on Monday. Cause this yeah. is something you're very well versed in. And I think it's interesting that, uh, that in this passage, Paul says, especially now, as you see the day of the Lord approaching, it is especially mm-hmm. now important that you meet together because the Lord's coming back and we need to be together. What do you do with a verse, a passage like Hebrews 10, 25 in light of what's happening right now? We are never more vulnerable to the adversary than when we're living in isolation. Thank you. That's exactly right. We are easy prey for the enemy when we are not active in biblical community. So this is a time, if you look behind the scenes at who's pulling the strings, Satan would love to isolate believers from the larger body of Christ. Now, people can argue, well, we can still gather outside that corporate gathering on Sunday. And we were, we have been, and we will continue to. As a church at Abundant Life, we have over 3,000 people in small groups, for example. They're in biblical community, that smaller gathering. Uh, But this is what I know throughout 2,000 years of church history, even in times of intense persecution during the Roman era, and even after that, during the Muslim invasion of the Holy Land, 
believers never gave up gathering corporately. Mm -hmm. You can go to Rome today and you can tour the catacombs underneath the city and you can find evidence, even when it was illegal for Christians to gather, that they were gathering corporately for worship. Even when they couldn't put a sign on a building that said church on it. They were still gathering corporately. That is how much it meant to them historically. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you go on the Holy Land tour with us, Heidi, we will go to a place. It's uh, Roman rock quarries and huge, huge quarried caves. And in one of those caves we will go, you'll see crosses etched. Wow. Because those caves became a secret place for assembly Mm. where 600 followers of Jesus were all martyred at the same time. Mm in the seventh century by Muslims who found out they were meeting there corporately when it was illegal. And they were meeting even Mm. knowing it could cost them their life. Mm -hmm. And I'm amazed how Christians today will so quickly abandon that corporate gathering as if it means nothing when other Christians have literally died historically for the chance to meet together. Happening right now in China. It's happening right now. Mm -hmm. The fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. Mm -hmm. Hey, if there's an upside to what we're seeing, anywhere historically the church has died is because Christians were left alive. Mm. In 2,000 years of church history where Christians were persecuted and personally died, the church has thrived. Mm. And so the upside, I'm convinced, is that the church that is left in the days ahead when this is over, the true church of which statistically 80% of American churches aren't churches at all. That's right. They've abandoned the basic tenets of the Christian faith. They don't believe in biblical inerrancy, biblical authority. They don't believe uh, of Christ's atonement of Calvary. They don't believe uh, in, in Christ's sovereignty. I mean, there are a lot of churches today that are churches in name only, but I'm talking about the true church that is left. Mm-hmm. This could be the greatest hour in American history and Western civilization for the bride of Christ to arise Mm -hmm. and shine like never before. Mm -hmm. And that's how we have to look at this right now. Listen, my heart is heavy. I I know your heart is heavy. I know that many, many followers of Jesus that love this nation and most of all love the true and living God. Listen, our hearts are broken for what we see happening in the erosion uh, of a nation and uh, the walls are falling and the foundation is crumbling. I mean, we have the sense the tide is turning and it may never go back. Uh, but but be encouraged in this, that this could be the greatest moment ever for the true follower of Jesus, the end times army of sold out, spirit filled followers of Jesus Christ. There is a rising taking place right now. Amen. And we're going home. Yes. We're going home. Amen. I mean, this world is not our home, One right? We're soon. just passing through. One day soon. We're just passing through. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil Hopper, I so appreciate you coming on the show with me. I know it's encouraging. I, I, One of the things I love about you so much is you're not afraid to talk about what's going on. I, I think that the honesty is so important. We were talking about this last night. You guys are so gracious to sit up and talk to us for a little while after you've flown across the country and it's so late. But just uh, acknowledging that there is a sadness right now. The church is feeling it. I'm feeling it. You feel it. Um, but to say, we know that this world is not our home and we got something to look forward to. Amen. We got we heaven do. to look forward to. And, uh, and this is our opportunity to choose. And the Lord's given us an opportunity to stand like never before. And you have studied, uh, the end times 
And uh, that's what I really love to talk to you about on Monday. So would you come back and we'll do do this again? Would love to. All right. For more information, you guys, on Pastor Phil Hopper and his ministry, you can visit Abundant Life Church. I will link back to him in the show notes today. And also, uh, Phil's got his own pretty fun little blog, so you can go there too. Phil, what's your blog address? Where can people find you online? You can find me at philhopper.org. Or they can find me on Facebook as well. Find you on Facebook. So mm-hmm. and and really, really go to his blog because I think that Christian voices are going to be silenced on Facebook pretty soon. I've got pretty ample evidence now to uh, to say that. So definitely find him on Facebook. But you're going to want to find him online and uh, follow the ministry of Abundant Life Church as well. So I will link back to all those things in the show notes today. Thank you guys for listening. Listen, uh, the Spirit of the Living God is still at work. God is on His throne. This is not taking the Lord of Heaven's armies by surprise. He's not sitting up in heaven going, "Golly, I did not see that coming." The Lord knew this was happening and you were born for such a time as this. So stay faithful, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here on Monday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com. Mm-hmm.